Good morning, everyone. Welcome to New Life. We're so thankful that you're here, and we're looking forward to an awesome day. We're so glad that you've chosen to worship with us uh, wherever you're at, whether it's, uh, you know, all of the different places that you could be, like your kitchen uh, or your bed. How many of you are watching from bed, having breakfast in bed right now? Let us know in the comments, uh, whether you're watching from your living room or wherever you are. We're thankful that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. We're looking forward to a wonderful day in God's Word and really letting God speak to us as we continue our Roadblocks sermon series. So before we get started, uh, I'd just like to encourage you, uh, share this message out. So share it on your social media or if you're on YouTube, share it with a friend who you think could use this uh, and then just uh, say hi to us in the comments, whether it's on YouTube, say hi to us in the comments, uh, on Facebook, say hi in the comments. And then for those of you who are, it's your first time, thank you so much for checking out New Life. We're glad that you've, that you've stopped by. Uh, I like to encourage you and invite you to do this. We, we at New Life, we want to love Jesus. We want to love like Jesus. And that means serving you. So we want to do that. And the best way that we can do that is if you would go to the newlife.church, uh, then there's something called a connection card. And if you'd fill that out, we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to serve you in any way that we can, whether that's by prayer or uh, just anything that we, that we can do, we would love to do to serve you and show you the love of Jesus. So thank you so much for stopping by. We're glad that you're here. I would love to share with you some exciting news from my family. Uh, this, uh, I guess last week, uh, by the time that you're seeing this, uh, last week, my wife and I, we had our third child. We had a baby boy, and I'm so excited to introduce him to you. Here is a, here is a picture of him. Uh, so we are so thankful. We're so thankful for him. This is our third child, and it's our first boy. So I'm really excited. I've been looking forward to having a boy for a long time. So here he is, and I'm looking forward to when we can gather in person so we can all, so you can, so you can meet him, so you can see him. So, uh, but as we get into God's Word today, we're continuing a sermon series that we're calling Roadblocks. We're talking about overcoming the obstacles to life and faith. And uh, everybody knows about roadblocks here in Houston. We hate uh, whenever roads or whenever highways get shut down when those roadblocks are stopping us from getting to our destination. And in this sermon series, we're talking about overcoming the roadblocks in our lives that would hinder us, that would stop us from being the people that God wants us to be, from having the relationships that He wants us to have uh, as we wrap up roadblocks today and as we, as we start a brand new sermon series next week. But if you would go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, we're going to finish this chapter in this series, and, uh, and I'm really excited about what we're going to be talking about today. Mark chapter 6, and let's go ahead and re start reading in verse number 45. It says, And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship, and to go to the other side before into Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling, toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out, for they all saw him, and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them, and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. 
if you were to take up your phone and you were going to open it up, pretty much everything that you're going to find inside was made by one company. It was a really, really innovative company. They, they really started the digital movement. They created uh, digital pictures and they had th a thousand uh, innovations of, of digital photography and, uh, and, just, and, di and working, with, working with digital. Uh, they had a lot of different innovations, a lot of different inventions, a lot of different creations. And in fact, they were such an influential company that they actually worked their way into our everyday vocabulary in the past. In fact, uh, maybe you have used this term or maybe your parents have used this term where maybe if there was just a really memorable moment in your family, you would say, hey, this, this, we got to get a picture of this. It's our Kodak moment. Uh, Kodak was the innovative company that started the digital movement. They created the JPEG that makes up most of our pictures today, yet in 2013, Kodak went bankrupt. They went bankrupt, and the reason why they went bankrupt is because of the digital movement. You see, what caused Kodak to go bankrupt was they didn't respond well to previous success. Their past success ruined their future success. They were ruined as a company because they weren't willing to innovate anymore. They weren't willing to adapt anymore. They wanted to force everyone. They, used, they wanted to use digital. Their idea of using, using digital pictures was just giving it to you so you could go print it wherever you wanted. That was their idea. And because they weren't willing to adapt, because of they wouldn't, they, their past success got in the way of their future success. And today we're going to be talking about the roadblock of success. Because for you and for me, a lot of times, what will hinder us the most is not uh, some big bad thing in our lives. For, for, for many of us, uh, it's not going to be uh, committing some crime. It's not going to be uh, some, some big devious thing that is going to get in the way of future success. A lot of times, it's past success that will hinder us from future success. For example, you might say, we're just a couple weeks removed from Mother's Day. You might say, hey, I knocked it out of the park on Mother's Day. I don't have to do anything to show love uh, until next year. Uh, sometimes we, we, can get in the, we can get in a moment where we think, hey, uh, you know, I, I really bought something for my kid that they really liked. Now I don't need to spend as much time with them because I show them love and by buying them a gift. So our past success gets in the way of our future success. Sometimes in my life, the way it looks for me is I have a big spiritual victory where I think, you know, maybe I, I preach a message and I think, I think hey, that, that went pretty well. And then it just, because I get so caught up on that, I forget to just walk with Jesus every day or it hinders uh, what God wants to do through me in the future. A lot of times we get so hung up on past successes that it takes away uh, the hunger from future success. So today we're going to talk about how to overcome the roadblock of success. Let's pray together and ask, ask God to speak to our hearts today. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word. And Lord, I pray that as we, as we look into your word, as we study it, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. I pray that you give whoever's watching this. I ask that you give them exactly what they need. 
Uh, I pray that you'd encourage their hearts. I pray that you'd challenge them uh, to, to go forward in their relationship with you. I pray that you'd, that you'd help all of us to grow as a result of what we learned today in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. By the time we get to the end of Mark chapter 6, the disciples are living it up. They are, uh, they're, they're high on life. Everything is going great for them. Uh, if you remember at the beginning of the chapter, just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how Jesus delegated his authority, his authority over death, his authority over disease, his authority over nature. He's granted that authority to his disciples. And his disciples have traveled all over Israel, preaching about Jesus, uh, telling other people about him, performing miracles for the first time. Could you imagine being, uh, being John who, who goes out and for the first time, you had, you've spent some time seeing Jesus perform miracles, but now you are reaching out your hand, you are touching someone, and they are being healed. Talk about success. So they've traveled around Israel, they've been preaching about Jesus, and, and now they've come back to Jesus, and they're tired. You remember we talked about that last week. They're tired, they're exhausted, and Jesus says, hey, let's, let's get apart, let's, let's go away for a little bit, and let's rest. But then all the people around Jesus, everyone in, in the surrounding communities, they hear that he's nearby and they surround him, they come up to him. And, and if you remember last week, we talked about how Jesus really lays out a banquet for them and serves them and he feeds over 5,000 people with just five loaves of bread and two fish. That, that's a miracle. That's, that's some success. Well, here in Mark chapter 6, where we pick up, we're really just, we're finishing that passage. We're finishing that story. Jesus has just fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And now he calls out to his disciples. And here's what he tells them in verse 45. It says, and straightway he constrained his disciples. So here's, here's what he's doing. He's saying, hey, you guys need to go. And the disciples are like, oh no, Jesus, we're, we're having such a great time here. Hey, let's, let's, Jesus, how about you make some dessert now? Uh, and, and they're just, they're not ready to go. They're not wanting to leave. They're not wanting to move on to the next thing. Hey, this is pretty cool. They just, they just got fed by Jesus and they know it's from five loaves and two fish and over 5,000 people have been fed by this. So whenever it says that he constrained them, it's saying he's compelling them. He's really, he's kind of pushing them to go. And it says that he compelled them, he constrained them, his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before into Bethsaida while he sent away the people. So he's finished teaching the people. He's finished teaching the thousands. He's fed all of them. Now he tells his disciples, hey, you guys go ahead. Uh, I'm going to stay back for a little bit for a little bit. I'm sending everyone away. You guys go ahead to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and I will meet you. I'll meet you there. So he's got to compel them. And, and here they're just, they're kind of giving Jesus a little, bit, a little bit of pushback. So the first principle that we need to learn about overcoming past success to get, to not let, allowing that to get in our way is to remember this. Remember that feelings are misleading. Remember that feelings are misleading. So here's the disciples. They're, they're pumped. They're thinking, hey, it can't get better than this. And Jesus is saying, hey, you guys need to go across the sea. It's time to move on. It's time to go to the next thing. And the disciples are saying, hey, Jesus, let's, let's hang out. Let's continue here. And they're feeling like, hey, it can't get better than this. So we need to stay where we're at. Uh, and a lot of times uh, in, in our own lives, we can get to that point where we think, hey, things are great where we're at. So we don't need to keep on working for what is better. Uh, so Jesus compels them to go to the other side of the boat and, or to the other side of the sea. 
And then it says in verse number 46, it says, and when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. So Jesus goes off alone to pray. And the disciples, they get into a boat and they start crossing the Sea of Galilee. Uh, he goes up into a mountain to pray. And it says, and when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone on the land. And in verse 48, it says, And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, so that's about three o'clock in the morning, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. So we see that Jesus, he sends them across the Sea of Galilee, and it says that he goes up into a mountain to pray. And when they start going across, they, they, they're rowing, and they're about three miles in. So for eight or nine hours, these disciples, these tired, worn out disciples who are high on their own success, they've been, they've been rowing, they've been trying to keep themselves alive, they've been fighting this storm, and they're all alone. We've got to remember that feelings are misleading. It seems to them like, hey, where is Jesus? He left us out here to die. But it says that while Jesus is up on the mountain praying, it says that he sees them. He sees them. He knows, he knows where they're at. He cares for them. He's, he's going to go out and be with them. And we got to remember that feelings are misleading because sometimes we get, we get, we experience some success. Maybe you've start, maybe you've read your Bible every day this week. You've started, you feel like you've, you've really started to take some steps progressing in your walk with Jesus. Maybe, maybe you've, maybe you've watched multiple services in a row and you feel like, Hey, I'm starting to make some progress in my Christian life, but now I just feel alone. I just feel alone. Sometimes that happens uh, to me whenever I feel like, whenever I'm really happy with, uh, with a message that's been preached, I can almost always count on it that I'm going to feel alone or I'm going to feel a little bit down uh, on, on Monday. I just, I can count on it. Whenever we have those successes, sometimes we just can feel alone. Sometimes whenever we feel like, hey, things are starting to go well, we feel like, like, we feel like frauds or failures and we just feel alone, but we need to remember that we're not. This happened to Elijah, the prophet in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, Elijah, the Bible tells us in 1 Kings 18, that Elijah called down fire from heaven. He calls down fire from heaven. He has this big contest with 450 false prophets who worshiped uh, this, piece of, uh, this piece of rock. They just worship this idol. And Elijah has a contest with them where he calls down fire from heaven. He, he defeats these 450 prophets of Baal. He's shown that his God is real. And then he leaves uh, and he goes away. He's on the run for his life. And it says that really he, he becomes depressed. And he starts arguing with God and he tells God, hey, I'm, I'm the only person here who's doing what's right. I'm the only prophet in Israel who cares about you. I'm the only person who stayed true. And here's what God reveals to him. God reveals to him that there are 7,000 other prophets who have done what's right. There are 7,000 other prophets who are standing up for God. There's, there's other people. There are other people. He's not really alone, but sometimes he feels alone. We need to remember that feelings are misleading. Feelings are misleading. And then we see as they continue that they see Jesus walking by. They think he's a ghost. And then in verse 50, it says, For they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them, and he said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. It is I, be not afraid. Uh, from some of my study, a lot of this comparison of Jesus saying, It is I, 
it's a reminder of Exodus 3.14, whenever God introduced himself to Moses and he said, my name is I am. And Jesus is saying, hey, I am here. I am with you. I am everything that you need. God is with you. And sometimes when we feel alone, sometimes when we feel like failures, even after points of success, we need to remember, hey, God is with you. God cares about you. God loves you. And Jesus is there to comfort them. He says, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. It says, and he went up into the ship. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. They're thinking, what in the world is going on here? And you know, previously they almost had this, this sense of wonder, like, hey, what, and previously it would say like this in, in another passage where Jesus calmed the storm and says, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? We talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, even the wind and the sea obey him. And a previous time when Jesus calmed the storm and he said, peace be still, they're in amazement and wonder. Yet here, it's like, you know, what in the world? We, we thought that we would be able to fix this. We would be able to solve this. And it says here in verse number 52, it says, they consider not the miracle of the loaves for their heart was hardened. They were stubborn. They got self-reliant. Their previous successes made them self-reliant. So now here they're brought into a moment where they are reminded that, hey, we are dependent on Jesus. We got to remember that our feelings, we can't trust our feelings. Our feelings are misleading. And my friend, we've, we've talked about storms in the past. We've talked, we've talked about difficult circumstances. And here we see the, the, the disciples again in a difficult circumstance. And from a previous storm, we learned that God doesn't just take us to storms. He takes us through storms. And sometimes we need to remember that sometimes God lets things get a little chaotic outside of us so he can fix what's inside of us. Sometimes God lets, get, God lets things get a little chaotic outside of us so he can fix what's on the inside of us. Jesus sent these disciples into a storm because they had hard hearts that needed to be, that needed to be softened, that needed to be fixed, that needed to be calmed. Jesus wanted to do a work inside of them, inside their hearts, to draw them close back to himself. So he allowed them to go through the storm where they couldn't solve their own problems, where their past successes weren't going to get them through this situation. Yet Jesus could because he is everything that we need. We need to remember that feelings are misleading. But the second principle that we see here is uh, he, he comes, he calms the storm just by getting in their boat. So we need to remember that, first of all, feelings are misleading. And then second, we need to remember the source of our strength. We need to remember the source of our strength. Uh, it, it, it's so important to be, to be humble, to not get full of ourselves. A lot of times, past success can get in the way of future success because we allow our past successes to make us proud. For example, uh, Kodak. Uh, Kodak, they wouldn't innovate. They wouldn't change to a digital platform to really leaning into the digital marketplace because they thought, hey, we've been built on physical photography, on physical pictures. We can't change that now. Their past success allowed them to get proud. And here we see that if we're going to overcome past success, if we're not going to let past success get in the way of future success, we need to remember the source of our strength. 
if I'm going to continue growing in my walk with Jesus, if I'm going to continue growing in my relationship with Jesus, if I'm not going to keep on falling into sin, if I'm going to, if I'm going to grow, then I need to remember that it's not about me trying harder. It's about faith in Jesus. We are not, we do not grow spiritually by our own strength, by our own effort. It's by the faith in Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross. And we see here that Jesus is the source of our strength. Jesus is the one who calms the storm here, not the disciples. Sure, the disciples had performed some miracles before, but Jesus, Jesus was the one who gave him his power, his authority, and Jesus is the one who calmed the storm. So every previous success was a result of Jesus working through them. And we need to remember that success is in our lives. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. We need to remember that everything good in my life comes from God, and that gives me a humility that allows me to grow in my walk with Jesus, and it allows us to continue and move forward. So we see Jesus gets into their boat. They were so amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. In verse 53, it says, And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him, and ran through that whole region roundabout and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch if it were but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. So they get to the other side of the sea. People see that it's Jesus and they start running to Jesus. It's not about the disciples. It's not the disciples aren't performing miracles here. It's Jesus. And whenever they get to the other side of the sea, everyone's coming to Jesus and they're saying, Jesus, you, you can heal us. Jesus, you can perform miracles. Jesus, if we touch the hem of your garment, maybe some people had heard about the woman with the issue of blood that we talked about a few weeks ago who touched Jesus' garment and, were, and was made whole. It says they touched his garment and they were made whole. They recognized, hey, Jesus is the source of strength. Jesus is the one who can fix our problems. Jesus is the one that we need. Jesus is the source of our strength. And here the disciples are being reminded, hey, whenever we're all out on the Sea of Galilee, we couldn't, sol- we couldn't fix this storm. We couldn't solve our problems. We needed Jesus. And here we are and we're seeing Jesus and people are coming to Jesus and Jesus is the one who can solve all of our problems. He's the one who can solve uh, our hurts and our needs. And these people who needed healing, they come to Jesus. It's not about the disciples. It's about Jesus. We need to remember the source of our strength. My friend, maybe you've been living your life and you've been, you've been trying to do life on your own. You've been trying to make it on your own, and you've come to realize this, that it's not enough. It's not enough. Uh, We are insufficient. My friend, could I just let you know that God loves you, God cares for you. In fact, he loves you and cares for you so much that here Jesus gives healing, and Jesus wants to heal your soul. How did he do that? How does Jesus, how can Jesus offer me healing? Well, it happened 2,000 years ago. It happens because of what he did 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins so he could heal your soul. He died on a cross where he suffered and he died and then he was buried and he rose again. And he rose again so he could give you healing, so he could give you new life. 
So how do I respond to that? How do I respond to what Jesus did for me? We respond in faith. We respond in faith. We remember it's, it's about him. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. My friend, if you would like to put your faith and your trust in Jesus today, I'd like to encourage you to do that. Jesus died on the cross, was buried and rose again to give you healing, to give your soul healing. And if you'd like to put your trust in him, would you pray this with me from your heart? Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you. I believe that you died on the cross and that you were buried and that you rose again to pay for my sin and to heal my soul. And I ask you to do that. I ask you to forgive my sin coming into my life and save me in Jesus' name. If you did that, we're so thankful for you. In fact, we would love for you to let us know that you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, and we would love to connect with you. We'd love to serve you and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. We'd love to give you a Bible and help you grow in your walk with him. Friend, a final thought as we close today. Uh, I have two daughters and, and a son. So my, my, my oldest two right now, they're in this phase where they love to jump or to be thrown in the air. The other day, Julianne was on a counter and she wanted to jump to me. She wanted to jump to me and, uh, and I was standing a little further back and a little further back. And uh, finally she got to a point where she was like, Daddy, I can't do it. I can't jump that far. And I told her, Julianne, you can trust me. I'm not going to let you. Would I let you fall? And she's like, no. So she, run, so she goes and she jumps. And of course, I give her exactly what she needs. I catch her uh, because I'm her dad. I love her and I'm going to care for her. My friends, sometimes we need to recognize in our lives that it's not about us. It's not about how far we can jump. It's not about what we can do. We need to remember feelings are misleading. Whenever I want to trust myself, I need to remind myself that it's all about him. And we need to remember the source of our strength. It's Jesus who performs the miracles. It's Jesus who works in lives. It's Jesus who will transform my heart. But I've just got to trust him and I've got to follow him. And he takes care of the rest. God bless you. We hope that this was encouraging to you. We'll see you next week.